have you been triggered? Have you recently remembered or recalled your own ET contact experience? Hi, everyone. Alexis Brooks here from Higher Journeys. Back with another episode of Conscious Commentary. I should say back after a two-month hiatus from Conscious Commentary. I can't believe it. You know, I just looked uh, recently on the channel, just a minute ago, in fact, uh, my YouTube channel, and realized, oh my gosh, I have not recorded a Conscious Commentary episode in nearly two months. Over two months, actually. It was the end of November. Uh, well, look, <laughs> it's been a bit busy here. Been doing a little bit of traveling. Been doing a lot of interviews. We'll get into that later, but uh, I'm happy to be back. And for those of you that may have been saying, uh, where is where's Conscious Commentary? Did you get rid of it? You know how we like to change things up every now and again. Well, I didn't. I'm back. I'm here. And uh, I'd like you to settle in and listen to what I'm going to be chatting about today. I, um, you know, every time I uh, prepare to do a conscious commentary, of course, I've got to kind of think through what what I'd like to talk about uh, based solely on what you would like to hear and sometimes that takes a little bit of time to to sleuth because there are so many fascinating things to 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 talk about, to think about, to muse about. But I I thought for this one coming back after about two months of not doing a conscious commentary, I would be remiss if I didn't recap for you at least in part my most extraordinary, magical, inspirational journey down under to Australia. As many of you know, I recently lectured there. To be exact, I was in, let me get this pronunciation right, folks, the Northern Territory of Ulara, Ulara, home of Uluru, also known as the Red Rock in the Northern Territory of Australia. That's where the Cosmic Consciousness Conference took place January 12th through the 14th. I was so delighted and so honored to be there, to be asked to speak and to deliver a lecture to all of the wonderful people that I met. Uh, entitled Unconscious Contact. Are you an experiencer and don't know it? And that's what I talked about. Now, I'm not going to go through a blow by blow of how the conference went. You feel free to, to email me and ask me and I can give you some some highlights. But what I thought I would do, journeyers, is kind of go through uh, the, the, the net result of, of this talk that I gave. You know, I, I have to tell you, and I'm, I'm sure everyone out there that does lectures on the circuit for a variety of topics, you want to do your best. And you don't want to necessarily do your best for the sake of you. You want to be able to deliver something to people that they can use to enhance their own lives, to trigger something perhaps. And we're going to get into the, the triggering aspect in a minute. You want to do your best for those that are on the receiving end. And so that was, of course, the case for me. And I Coming in with a subject like this, now you know, you know, interestingly enough, synchronistically, the last conscious commentary that I did back in November uh, was indeed on a similar subject. I was really trying to get a feel for how uh, people would respond to me introducing this idea of ET contact being perhaps a mass phenomenon. Now, the focus in this particular talk that I delivered in Australia was not about it being a mass phenomenon. Of course, that's what I think I was getting at. But moreover, I wanted to explore, and I, as I said in the talk, this is about the question. This isn't here. I'm not here to prove anything. But I wanted to explore this idea of millions, 
perhaps billions of individuals walking this planet right now that may be experiencers and are, for whatever reason, completely oblivious to their encounters. And so that was really the premise of the talk. And I spent mm, close to two hours trying to build a case for that being a distinct possibility. Now, here's the deal. And I'm just going to get to the result and maybe kind of work my way through here. We may go a little longer today because it's been a while and I got a lot I want to cover here. As you know, you can see in the title, I'm calling this Triggered Remembering Your Own ET Contact Experiences. Um, what is that all about? Being triggered. Well, here's what I want to say to you. After the, the lecture that I delivered, I have to tell you, I think triggered was the common denominator uh, in hearing from the people in the audience. I, again, I want to shout out for all of you that are listening uh, that were in attendance. I want to say thank you. I said it in your presence, and I'll say it again. I simply love each and every one of you. We didn't know each other a, a few days prior to meeting at this conference, but I feel like I got to know you so well and intimately. And you know, I spoke with many of you privately after I did this talk. And I have to tell you, my sense of connection with all of you and with all of you that are listening out there in the audience intensified immensely because I realized we do share a lot in common. And it could be that part of what we share is our own experiences, though distinct they may be for us as individuals there's a common denominator running throughout uh, something that we can use as an opportunity to to bind us all together. You've heard the saying, we are all one. I, I've got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not so sure that I subscribe to the way that's put, that we are all one. We are distinct individuals, unique, sovereign individuals, but there is and there are many things that do, in fact, connect us. As I've quoted David Baum many times, we are like whirlpools in a stream. We have identity. We just don't have distinct borders. I think that is so apt. And I think that in having this discussion about unconscious contact, are you an experience or not know it? And some of you in the audience, maybe many of you who told me that you were triggered by the various ways I tackled this, tells me that we don't have distinct borders. Even though every story that I heard after uh, giving this talk, you all came up to me, we had private meetings, every story was distinct, but there was a common thread here. Let's get into some of those common threads. Um, I'm pausing because, you know, I knew that when I developed this talk that I would have to go into some areas that might be viewed as negative. Uh, they might be viewed from a perspective of malevolence, or more specifically trauma. But look, I didn't give this talk uh, to be, this wasn't about all love and light. We've got light, and we have shadow. And I think part of our journey here is to be able to integrate the two and come out fresh and anew. And so I covered some lighter things, and I covered some heavy things. Let me talk about a couple of the elements that that uh, I heard from you in the audience that that served you said to trigger you recognition that you uh, were and are an experiencer. Now, 
all of you out there know I've covered what I call the 11-11 thing on quite a few occasions. Well, this was no exception. I had to bring it in to this discussion, but I didn't want to just leave it with, do you see 11-11? Like many millions, maybe billions of us do. Well, what is this all about? In sum, I'm not going to give away the whole the whole uh, talk on this, <laughs> but in sum, what I wanted to do, guys, is really try to explore what this phenomenon is all about. Now, we know that there are other repeating numbers that people are seeing constantly, but unequivocally, 1111 and variations thereof are ubiquitous in our experience these days. And I, I gave some evidence to show that. But why? What does this mean? I've got to tell you, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't necessarily resonate with the 1111 make a wish type of thing. That's not to say that making a wish when you see 1111 isn't going to do something, but, but rather numbers as a language. How might this lead back to the possibility that we are in some form of communication or something is in communication with us utilizing these master numbers, 11 and 1111? What I did was I went through a bit of an exercise of marrying the 11-11 phenomenon with the idea of binary code and then marrying the binary code with instances, anecdotal of course, of individuals who believe themselves to be in contact where binary code was a part of the experience. Now I'm going to leave it there because again, each of these things could have been a talk on their own. They may actually be. But uh, I want to get back to the the areas of my talk that triggered. 1111 was one of them. And the idea of there possibly being a link between the prevalence of 1111 in our consciousness these days and binary code came up as an aha for some people. We're going to continue to explore this. It is a mystery, but I am intent on exploring the mystery along with you. So <laughs> let's leave that for a minute. Let me go on to the next thing. I've talked about phobias before, particularly odd phobias, fear of clowns, also known as coulrophobia. So of course, this was a uh, very, very prominent in, in the lecture that I gave in Australia about phobias, not just about coulrophobia, but iatrophobia, fear of doctors, fear of owls. I'm not the first to talk about this, but it seems to be coming up again and again. Fear of aliens or alien masks, fears, phobias, other uh, phobias. I didn't go too much into uh too many specific phobias. We've got phobias of all kinds, but the question is, where do they originate from? What is the root of our phobias? Who are they happening to? When do they kick in? And how might they be connected to, if at all, some form of contact at some form at some uh, point in our lives? Oftentimes, and I, I was able to dig up a little bit of data on this, that Many phobias often occur, particularly in women and in children. And in children, I believe the number is by the age of seven, a phobia is fully formed. Don't quote me on that. I don't have my, my, my research from the talk in front of me, but I believe it's the age of seven. And so I dug into that a bit to try to uncover how phobias may be playing a role in screening off the experience of an actual encounter. 
I want to say something at this point, and then I want to come back. So I've just given you two areas that I that I went into, uh, leading to evidence that there may be some sort of contact going on vis-a-vis our uh, seeing 1111. And again, it's deep, 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 guys. I'm not going to go into it now, as well as phobias. And I'm going to go into the uh, another in a minute. But I want to say something for the record. And I said this uh, in the talk. As I'm exploring this, and particularly exploring some of the more, the, the darker, at least perceived darker aspects of contact, I wanted to elucidate something for everyone in the audience. And that is, you know, we're talking about contact uh, and abduction. But I want to say for the record, at least where I sit right now, where all abductees are contactees, not all contactees are necessarily abductees. Now, when I propose that, or when I put that out there to the audience at, at the talk, they they all seem to agree. They nodded affirmatively. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm not sure. And the reason why I'm saying, after I made that statement, and the reason why I'm saying I'm not sure at this moment is because after I spoke with so many of you in the audience, and I'm obviously not going to mention any names, and I'm not going to get into any specifics, because I know many of you shared some very, very private, but visceral experiences with me, much of which had to do with trauma as related to possible contact. So when I made that statement, all abductees are contactees, but not all contactees are abductees, I must add the caveat, or are they? Are they? Question. I don't know. Are all all of us that have had experiences, contact of some form, even though they're not recalled, the details, are they all abduction scenarios? So I'm going to retract the statement and 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 put rephrase it and put it as a question. I want to bring that up for a reason, because this last element that I'm going to mention today in this little conscious commentary that w- was inclusive of my talk, that deserved far more attention. This is something, guys, that I really had to kind of meditate on whether I wanted to bring this into the discussion uh, during the lecture. But something kept gnawing at me and said, Alexis, do it, go into this, at least touch on it. And that has to do with the abuse abduction connection. I'm talking about, and we're hearing more and more, unfortunately, about it today, these days in our public, our corporate media and our public discourse, and that has to do with child abuse, sexual assault, and alien abduction. There were a few triggers for me, let's just say, in the course of researching this talk that brought me closer to the idea that there may be a link in some cases, maybe in more than some, between individuals who have been abused, particularly as a a child, and repeatedly, and abduction scenarios. Now, you know, what's interesting is I was, I threw... As I was going through the research for this talk, obviously, I bounced quite a few ideas, thoughts that I was having on uh, some of my colleagues and, and even close friends. And it was interesting when I when I started to ponder, okay, should I bring in this element and go into it to some extent? 
immediately, uh, several people said back to me, oh, are you talking about abuse by the aliens? You know, because we do hear of so many cases of abduction in which there was invasion, uh, you know, uh, sexual interaction, you know, examination, etc., on cold metal tables, but invariably a, a sexual act would take place. And so when I brought that up as uh, as a possibility of bringing the abuse abduction connection together, that they thought that's the approach I was taking. I'm not talking about that. I want to make that clear. What I am talking about is human caused sexual abuse, ritualistic particularly, and something about that experience is trauma being linked to or even attracting a scenario by which an abduction by non-human intelligence would occur. I'm going to stop there, guys, because there's lots more research to do on this. This is not the first time this has been brought up. But again, in the course of my research, and perhaps it was serendipity that I stumbled upon it. I don't, you know, certainly no coincidence, but I happened upon it uh, way too many times for it to be ignored. And I knew that I had to bring some element of this in uh, to my talk. I am probably going to do a talk on this uh, in total. Let me know what you think. This is touchy, but I think it deserves attention, particularly now where our consciousness is and bringing these utter heinous acts to light, not just child abuse, of course, but adult abuse, abuse across the board. But we're really talking about trauma. I want to say to you that of all of the elements, and there were many, I'm only, I only mentioned three here in the, uh, today. Uh, but of all of the elements that I brought into this talk, the people that approached me uh, about their own experiences and the fact that somehow I triggered something in them had to do with, uh, there was a connection with with me talking about this, let's just say. I'm not saying that these individuals said that they were abused. We're, we won't get into that. But I think that the... the the common thread here is trauma, trauma that begets trauma, trauma that may have been uh, recorded in the the brain for so many years, but perhaps magnetized an anomalous scenario like ET contact or abduction. Could that be? That's really what I think I'm probably going to be exploring more. I'm just giving you some, some, some outcomes here as to what what uh, came out of my talk and the people that that approached me. But I think what was most important is there seemed to be a measure of healing as well, just in bringing these things out. Again, whether we're talking about some of the lighter synchronistic aspects that may be linked to contact, including repeating numbers and phobias. Some phobias aren't light. Some phobias are pretty heavy and pretty, pretty scary to the, 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 darker aspects or the shadow aspects that I just uh, brought up. So I wanted to give you uh, an overview of that. We, of course, talked, I shouldn't say, of course, you don't know. (laughs) But we did talk about or I talked about out of body experiences and how some of the the features of an out of body experience physically, the sensations are, uh, have also been known in the research to link with some of the features of abduction. So I talked about that a bit. Um, Look, This is all about exploring the idea that many more of us on this planet may be experiencers and not know it. But in 
that exploration, you might ask yourself the question, well, why do we need to know? Is there something to be gained from from this? I dare say yes. And this is where I'm going to kind of wind down a little bit. I'm going to see if there's anything else I want to bring up in this particular talk. And believe you, me, I will be going further into this because as I went through this process, I realized this is a rabbit hole that is infinitely deep. And I did say that quite a few times during the talk. It is. There's a revelation there for us if we so choose to find it. There is magic in the madness and in the trauma. If we can find it. Um, part of the magic within this this anomaly we call contact or being an experiencer, the implications. I, I have said this before and I'll say it again. Uh, the biggest discovery in all of this, in, dis- in understanding who and what we're dealing with and and moreover understanding that this could be a mass phenomenon and becoming conscious of this experience the biggest discovery for me is self-discovery i have really been pondering and i I know that this is a multifaceted uh enigma this idea of contact what is it for what does it mean and moreover what does it have to do with us and in sort of sleuthing that or pondering that, I've often wondered what about them, that being non-human intelligence, has to do with us? Is there some form of a, a symbiotic relationship here going on? Are they on some level a reflection of an aspect of us? I think all of these things should be on the table to be questioned. But I do feel at some level the biggest discovery in all of this is indeed self-discovery. As we find the courage first and foremost to determine whether we have had contact by looking at some of the clues that I brought in, we may be able to come to some kind of conclusion and then have the courage to explore those experiences further in an effort to understand ourselves better and how we've processed or not these experiences. I want to read a quote that I, I included in, in the presentation. Maybe I'll put a slide up as as you're listening to this uh, on on uh, the YouTube version of this. This is a quote by Whitley Strieber, who uh, was being asked about this whole idea of what it means to have contact and what, you know, what can we derive from it? And he says, quote, we would understand the enigma, he's saying, of contact. We would understand the enigma because we would understand in the context of understanding ourselves. A very similar sentiment to what I just said. We would understand the enigma because we would understand in the context of understanding ourselves. Hmm. There's a lot to try to understand here and we're not going to do it in a day. As they say, Rome was not built in a day. And so we're not going to be able to get to the bottom of all of this in a day or a week, maybe even a lifetime. But I do think it's worth the journey. Forgive the cliche. It's a higher journey indeed. So I'm going to leave that there. Uh, Again, I want to just say an incredible thank you, thank you, thank you, not only to all of the beautiful people that were in attendance uh, to to listen to my lecture, but uh, all of the other phenomenal speakers there. Uh, There were 13 of us there, um, both from uh, the local, uh, from Australia, New Zealand, as well as the US and UK. 
it was just a, a wonderful uh, three-day experience put on by the Cosmic Consciousness or Consciousness Events. Cosmic Consciousness is the name of the conference. And by the way, got to put a plug in. Guess who they invited back to come next year? <laughs> I was so delighted. A shout out to Catherine Hand and Mick Turner uh, for inviting me back next year. I will be on the roster. Don't know that I'll be talking about this. We'll see. Let's see what, what happens and uh, what what turns up uh, in the next uh months or so several months or so but I'm delighted I think I can say that oh, if if I wasn't supposed to I guess I blew it but yes they have asked me to come back next year so um, God willing I will be there I, I do encourage you to go to cosmicconsciousness.com.au to learn more about uh, these wonderful conferences uh, well worth it at uh, the beautiful red rock uh, known as Uluru that's a whole nother story I keep saying I'm going to be talking about that more because that in and of itself was a journey sacred, sacred space. No time to do that today. Well, let's see, what else do we want to get into? Hey, also, like I said, it's been a couple of months since I did my last conscious commentary. But if you go back and listen to uh, the the last one I did, I'll put a link, uh, which is called ET contact, is this a mass phenomenon? And compare it to what we're talking about right here, you may be able to connect some dots for yourself. As I said, this is a this is a huge subject. It's multifaceted and as always multidimensional, as are we. <laughs> so go back and listen to that and listen to this and see what triggers for you. And as always, let me hear from you, okay? That means the world to me. Uh it's about sharing and caring and honoring each other and ourselves. Let's never forget that. Okay. Onward, folks. Speaking of onward, here's what's coming up. Conscious Life Expo is coming up February 22nd through the 25th in a few short weeks. And you know who's going to be there. I have been so excited. As you know, one of the reasons why I was not able to keep up the regular schedule with Conscious Commentary is because of this little deal we did with the Expo. So excited. I love the folks over there where uh, we uh, decided to do an exclusive pre-Expo interview series. And that's what we've been doing for the last, oh, I think since the beginning of December. And we're going to continue this all the way up through uh, just before the conference. I'm going to make sure I have links to each of these interviews. But these are the speakers that we have interviewed thus far. uh, So you could get a taste of what they would be discussing at the upcoming Conscious Life Expo. David Adair, the original Rocket Man. Billy Carson, Jimmy Church, who's going to be hosting his annual Ancient Aliens panel, uh, of which Eric Von Daniken, who was also someone that was recently on the show, he will be honored on that panel for his 50th anniversary of Chariots of the Gods. Anita Morjani, we just had on. Hi, Anita. I love talking to you so much. She'll also be at the expo and she is also uh, part of our pre-expo speaker episode. So uh, coming up, we got a couple more. Barry Fitzgerald, world-renowned UFO and paranormal investigator. We talked about uh, a training course he's going to be giving on the investigate how to, how to be a UFO investigator. But trust me when I say it's not what you think. So make sure you tune into that episode coming up next week. And then to round out our uh, series of uh, Conscious Life Expo pre-expo speakers, we've got Grant Cameron. He's going to be speaking about consciousness, UFOs, and reality. 
And then it doesn't stop there. When we get to the expo, I am so delighted to be reuniting with my friend, haven't talked to him in a while, Daryl Anka, also known as, well, he's not known as, but he channels Bashar. Got Daryl Anka. We're going to be filming a show with him while we're there at the expo. Hey, Daryl, looking forward to seeing you once again. We've got Nassim Haramine. And uh, I hope, Linda, if you're listening, Linda Moulton Howe, Earth to Linda Moulton Howe. <laughs> I know, Linda, you're busy. We, I've been trying to try to get a hold of her. I know she's all over the place, but I'm hoping, uh, we typically come together uh, at the expo, so I'm hoping that we get to do a little bit of a show there. Linda Moulton Howe. So, Daryl Anka, Nassim Haramin, and Linda Moulton Howe. And there may be a few other goodies while we're there. Uh, we'll see. But, Go to ConsciousLifeExpo.com to learn more about this wonderful conference that I will be covering for, let's see, this is number seven or eight, one of the two. Anyway, all good all the time. Listen, I I knew I was going to go a little bit over and I've definitely kept that promise. So I'm going to say so long for now. I will absolutely talk to you soon. Again, let me hear from you directly uh, in the comment section on this uh, interview on YouTube, on Facebook, of course. Love to hear from you. And you can always email me at Higher Journeys. Love to you all. Thank you, journeyers. Let's continue the journey together, shall we? I look forward to it. I'll talk to you all soon. Take care.